There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday at 10 a.m. ET to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Narissa Allen. Narissa is the founder, president, and CEO of the Black Business Association of British Columbia. The BBABC provides programs and services that elevate businesses, build leadership skills, and help members create better futures. The association also offers mentoring programs, networking opportunities, and a directory slash marketplace of Black-owned businesses. In all her work, Narissa Allen champions initiatives to support entrepreneurs and small businesses. After a 20-year career with the federal government, combined with her own experiences as an entrepreneur, Narissa brings a unique perspective to tackling challenges. Narissa stays connected to her community as a director with the Barbados Cultural Association of British Columbia, allowing her to drive the community forward with a business-focused lens, helping to build economic strength and sustainability. Narissa, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Thank you so much, Rick, and thank you for that very warm welcome. That was amazing. I feel special. You are very special. That's why we have you on the show today. Before we get into substantive issues, let's make sure that entrepreneurs know that there's going to be good stuff coming along the, uh, the uh, along in this podcast that will be of interest to them in running their business and improving their business. So what's the top piece of advice that you hope our listeners and fellow entrepreneurs will take away from today's conversation? You know, I think I want the takeaway from today to be Understanding that your purchasing dollars can and do have an impact. So as a consumer, put some thought into where you spend your money. And as an entrepreneur, give consumers a reason to spend their purchasing power with you. Let's make it easy for consumers to make that decision. That is very cool. Have you been able to move the dial on this and, 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 and help people, help entrepreneurs make better connections with customers and consumers? I think so. A lot of what we've been working on recently has been brand awareness of the businesses in our community. So we, we really focus on storytelling and showing the people behind the businesses because that's what translates and that, that's what speaks to consumers. Fabulous. So let's, get, let, let's, let's start at the beginning then. So hmm. tell me a little bit about uh, you and what made you decide to get involved in creating the Black Business Association. Well, I'm an entrepreneur myself, and um, when the pandemic started back in 2020, 
we we had to close our business for about three months, as with most other businesses. And what was and your business? So we have a registered massage therapy clinic and a skincare line, as well as hair hair products. So all of these businesses, it was a, a physical. We had well, we had both. We had a physical space, but we also had online um, an online presence, and the the physical space had to close, but we were still able to um, sell because we had online presence. And uh, we wanted to make sure that other businesses would be able to do the same because that's how we were able to pivot during the pandemic was to push more of the online piece. And at the same time, there was the George Floyd murder. And a lot, there was a lot of um, feelings of anger and despair and just you don't know what to do with your energy when you see something like that happen to uh, to, to, to anyone. Um, and we wanted, we, we figured the best way to try to keep hope and to put some kind of uh, positive impact into what we were doing for the community was to try to build economic empowerment within that community. And we saw that, you know, supporting existing small businesses or trying to support and help new businesses start was the way for us to to do our part. Yeah, that's fantastic. What resources were there prior to the BBABC for Black entrepreneurs in, in BC? Well, in BC, we, don't, we didn't have any Black-focused or Black-led organization that dealt with um, business. So we have a lot of we had a lot of cultural organizations and they're great because it it keeps that sense of culture um, alive within the various uh, communities of the black black community. Um, But we didn't have any organization that was directly focused on business that um, that was really uh, black led and therefore understood the challenges of a black business entrepreneur. Right. So what's the first thing you do when you decide, hey, I'm going to build a business association for my community? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing you do is you kind of sit back and say, well, what do we need? And we just drew from our experience as entrepreneurs. So we look back at the 10 years that we had been in business and we tried to think of what would have made our journey easier and what would have made, you know, us making less mistakes, not having to learn from our own mistakes. And we and that's how we that's how we began. We put together pieces that we knew we would have we could have used as a starting business, and we put together pieces that we still need as an operating business. And that's why our you see that our organization is rooted in operational um, effectiveness and providing those pieces that an entrepreneur can use to better their business right now. So if they come to a workshop, if they come to a training seminar or education or whatever we deliver or put out there, there is going to be some tangible, um, actionable items that they can use and, and do something today with that information. Right. So can you give me sort of a state of the union <laughs> in terms of the the state of the association, how, member, how many members do you have? Do you cover the whole province? What are sort of the, the most popular programs that you're offering? We, um, so we are the BBABC, but we have members across Canada. And it's because, you know, entrepreneurship and um, it, is, you know, it goes across lines. It grows across provincial lines. Uh, it's Canada-wide. We even have members that are in the U.S. And, and outside of North America. And it's because whether you are a sole proprietor, small business with, um, you know, under 10 employees or a large business or medium-sized business, the principles still apply. So if sure. you need marketing support, 
we can provide that. And it doesn't matter where you are. If you need uh, support in applying for loans and you need support with your business plans, we can do that. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the country, we can support that. So we actually have members across the country and we have over um, 500 active members, but our, the, the businesses that um, are on our contacts who just want to know what's happening, who signed up just to hear and, and keep abreast of what's happening in the business community, it's close to a thousand. Wow. What was the moment when you thought, hey, this is going to work? I think this is going to work. Oh, well, I guess there's a couple of different times. I mean, in the beginning, you're, there's no funding. So you're, you know, you're funding this thing out of your pocket. And you're just trying right. to put together um, programs and pieces that you think are going to be of most value to people because they're taking their time out of their day to come to a webinar or to, uh, you know, to participate in whatever session it is that you're putting on. So at first, you know, it was slow to get out the gates, but as more and more people start to participate and then you start to hear people say, you know, that was really amazing. I was able to use uh, that information to help spin my business, to help pivot. Um, I was able to use that, that piece of information to better understand my financial statements so I can make a better plan. And when we start to hear those types of that type of feedback come back where people are getting, you know, actual uh, support and there are usable information that they value as entrepreneurs, that's when we knew that it was going to, um, is going to take off and it was going to do well. Because once you provide people with the things that they actually need, they will, will continue to support uh, the organization. I'm curious if you do anything to, um, you know, surveys or something in order to make sure you're, you're, you've got your finger in the pulse of what your members really want. Because mm -hmm. like any entrepreneur, you start with assumptions about your market, mm -hmm. but usually the, 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 the better you get to know your market and ask them what they want and anticipate their needs, then the longer you're going to survive and succeed. It's very true. So we started with, you know, we are. So we are entrepreneurs. So this is what we would have needed. And this is what we think the uh, business community needs. Then we move into we ask and we start to do polls and we get out there in the community and we find out what people want and we fine tune our um, programming to meet that. And then we turn to larger research uh, projects um, that are done by Black-led organizations who have taken the time to survey Black entrepreneurs specifically. Um, for example, Pitch Better um, is, a, is an organization that led the largest survey of Black women entrepreneurs in Canada last year. So there's a combination of tools that we can use to keep abreast of what, um, what business owners need right now, what they're going to need in the future. And then we, and, you know, we also look at where the industry and the, and the business community is, is turning to and what's going to be needed as we look to the future. And as we roll out of the pandemic, we also look at, okay, um, there's going to be, there's going to be a need for digital strategies. And we are going to need to make sure that businesses are not just present online, but they are um, using, you know, digital adoption strategies that are going to make their life easy. It's going to make their operations more efficient and it's going to, you know, help with their client service journeys. So, all of those things um, are how we analyze the landscape of the black business community and what's needed. And then we make decisions on what we put out there based on that. Right. Fantastic. And this is a membership model. Are people paying to be, to, to belong to the association? Well, we've got various tiers. So if we have a free tier, if you just want to have information, keep abreast of what's going on, um, be able to network and, and access um, webinars and all of those things, you don't have to pay anything. You can just join for free. Well, then we have some peer 
some pay peer um, tiers where there's access then to additional types of services such as our e-commerce platform um, and things like that. So we have something for everyone. It doesn't matter at what stage of business that you're at. That's smart. And do you have any experience that says, hey, we, we get their name on the mailing list as free members to begin with, and then we can manage to convert them to to, to the added value services? Well, yeah, we're working on that now. So we, we really just want to make sure that businesses are stable, that they are able to keep their doors open through the pandemic. And that's kind of um, the stage where we're trying to foster the free registration and the free membership. So people know what's out there. They're aware and we can pr- push information to them on programs, grants, loans, whatever they need and educational services. But the next stage is how do we now um, convert those members and show the value add? And I think just by the programs that we put out there, people are already seeing the value add. We don't even have to ask. People will come to us and say, well, how do I, um, um, I want to um, take advantage of this program? And they'll automatically just go and sign up or they'll ask and say, you know, if I sign up for this tier, can I get access to this, this, and this? You know, so they're, they're coming and they're looking to see, you know, what other value added services do we have to offer? Fantastic. And what can you tell us about your membership? Are they micro businesses, solo, solo entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. mid-sized businesses? They are the spectrum, but primarily they're small business and they are um, solopreneurs. And they range across the spe- spectrum. We've got um, medical professionals, trades, consultants. We've got restaurateurs. We've got people in education. We have other nonprofit organizations because they can, they're also a business and they um, can also benefit from the, the – um, types of uh, programming that we put out. We've got sports and recreation. We've got people in beauty. We've got a, a really across the gamut. Right. Cool. A lot of the programming that you do is rooted in spotlighting the members and founders, sharing who they are and what they do, wondering mm-hmm. how this is important and how this helps the people you're working with and helps the association grow. I think that spotlighting entrepreneurs is important for a few reasons. It supports shopping local. And consumers want to see people behind the brands. So it reminds everyone that there are real people with real families, just like you and I, running these businesses. And not to become mega millionaires, but to provide you and I with quality products and services while making a living for themselves and their family. And when we shop local, we're investing in our community. We are, um, you know, when we invest in our community, we become stronger and economically resilient. And by community, that could mean you know, businesses in your neighborhood. It could mean um, businesses across your province, and it can mean businesses Canada-wide. You have sponsors as well, I think. Are you pleased with the way that, the, you know, the corporate community or sponsorship has, has risen to this challenge and supported you? Yeah, yeah, I think so, because we don't have to go asking. The, you know, the sponsors have come to us and said, we love the work you're doing, and we want to help. And how can we do so? So it's been, it's been really rewarding to see that the work that we're doing being recognized, not just by the businesses in the community, but by our, our peers in the, business, in the business community, whether they're financial institutions or organizations, stepping up to say, hey, can we help? And whether it's um, with financial contributions or through um, in-kind services or partnerships and collaborations. Very cool. If you wanted to give a shout out to any of those sponsors or supporters you know i would i wouldn't object to that because i think uh, that the organizations that 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 step up need to be recognized 
I think so. So I would love to recognize Small Business BC as an ally. Um, they have helped us from the very beginning um, create programming that's going to support um, not just our, uh, well, not, not just our members, but what we're doing with them is we are able to provide free of cost um, access to education as well as advisory services through Small Business BC. We also have, um, you know, financial sponsors from the Pacific Economic Development Canada. We have uh, Van City. We have Tropicana Commercial Community Services. We've got TD Bank, Innovate BC, Futurepreneur, and um, the BC Chamber of Commerce. All of these organizations stepped up to say, we love what you're doing. How can we support you? That's fantastic. Were you expecting that or did, did that come as sort of a, a, a nice dividend along the way? You know what? It just came as a nice dividend. And you know what? I almost forgot one. Envision Financial just recently also um, came to us and said that literally they called up and said, um, we love what you guys have been doing. It's really, really valuable work. And we want to give you a donation. Do what you want with it. It was fantastic. And we didn't we don't expect these things. But when they come, it's really amazing. And we're really grateful. That was Envision. What do they do? They are um, um, insurance, uh, an insurance company here in BC. Fantastic. So they get, mm -hmm. they get that extra shout out because they came along <laughs> and put their hand up. I think, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Are there sort of gaps that you're still hoping to fill? Are there some programs or support that you want to provide that, you know, you're still working towards? Well, there's always a gap of access to capital and you'll see various programs that have launched in the last year, um, such as the Black Entrepreneurship Program that's um, funded and administered by the Federation of African and Canadian Economics. Futurepreneur, for example, has the Black Entrepreneurship Startup Program and there's an organization called Afro-Caribbean Business Network in Ontario that provides microloans and there's many others that have loan programs. But for us, um, as a, a service-based organization, we really want to uh, address access to education and training. And that's one of the things that we, we um, partnered with Small Business BC as well as WeBC to provide free, um, free cost and free access to workshops and advisory services across a wide range of topics uh, in terms of di digital adoption. You know, any business... Uh, is fully aware at this point, a strong digital presence is required to be sustainable as we move into the future. And not only, um, you know, to have a really great website, but those integrations that make your operations efficient and that um, will improve your client journey. So, you know, we've partnered with um, businesses um, and that are black owned, such as CL web developers to offer digital audits, kind of like what you're, you'll be seeing um, coming out from the newly announced CDAP. Um, you know, we've also... Uh, create our own and launch our own internal tech team of trained web developers so that we can offer direct uh, digital services to our clients. And then uh, most recently, last month, we launched our online directory e-commerce platform, BlackBiz Global. And that platform is a national directory of Black-owned businesses growing every day. Um, and what sets us apart from other similar directories is that we've also incorporated an e-commerce section where businesses can sell their products and consumers can purchase directly off the platform. So um, I, I want to make a shout out here, actually, because we launched our inaugural Kids Marketplace on that platform last week, March 3rd. It's uh, our youth entrepreneurship program. It was a five-week program that we ran in partnership with PowerPlay Young Entrepreneurs. 
And these kids went from ideation to creation of products and have now launched those products on our Blackblaze Global uh, website under the Kids Marketplace. So I would love for everyone to head over there, um, check out Blackblaze Global and that Kids Marketplace and support the kids. Sorry, what's the URL for that? Blackbiz Global. So B-L-A-C-K-B-I-Z-G-L-O-B-A-L. Blackbiz Global. And, and tell me more about this. You just got a bunch of kids together and said, hey, let's, let's build something. So we understand the importance of fostering the entrepreneurial mindset early in life. So we decided we're going to do it two ways. We're going to, we're going to, you know, um, target the young. So this, this particular group was ages nine through 12. And then we're also going to, um, address kids 13 through 18 through another program. This program, we said, okay, we've got this program. We're going to leverage an already existing program, which is the Power Play Young Entrepreneurs. We're going to um, put a black lens on it. So what we did is we brought in our own mentors to facilitate, um, to help facilitate the training so that the kids would see representation in the training. Um, and we rolled out the program. It's five weeks um, the first session basically started with them, you know, getting to understand what entrepreneurship is and what is having, what is owning a small business and, you know, what it means to create a product and why you want to create a product. You know, you're, you're fulfilling a need or a gap in, in the, in, uh, the marketplace. And we took them from start to think about, you know, what, what do you want to see? What would you want to buy as a kid? You know, what are your, what are your strengths? Do you like to make things? And we took, we took that creativity that they have and we allowed them to, and we foster that and allowed them to create their own products and go through the whole phase of, you know, how do I get the ingredients or the, the, the products to make my product? How do I, um, how much do they, how much does it cost for me to make my product and how much can I sell it for in order to make a profit? And a part of that was, you know, giving back to charities. So um, it was looking at, okay, I want to price my product at this. I want to donate a portion of my proceeds to this organization. And I also want to make a profit for myself as an entrepreneur. And we took them through that entire, which was amazing. It was so satisfying and inspirational to see these kids like blossom as they're going through each phase of that process to come up and have created their own end product. And you'll see a video for each kid on their product, um, what, what they made, why they love it so much and why you should buy it. It was really, really fantastic. And we're definitely going to roll that out again. That is so cool. I'm seeing on here, pony bracelets, gem jars yeah. of joys, anti-stress balls, drawings and cards and soaps, and even an ebook, Diary yeah. of a Grizzly Bear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stan fantastic these kids are so amazing we're so excited and the, one of the the additional benefits of it are the the value that the parents see because you know we had a parent already come back and say i've got two more kids i want them to do it too so we're, we've already got requests for a second round and then we're going to be moving into a really great program for stem um, that we're partnering with a, a really great organization named Ethos Lab. And you'll hear more from them as they uh, make that announcement. But uh, look out for that program. And that's going to be geared towards ages um, 13 through 18. Wow. You've accomplished an awful lot in under two years. We try. You know, I think with determination, what I, this is why I always say, if you have passion and determination to make a difference and to help people, the momentum is just behind you. And you find like people step up to want to help um, the drive. You, you mean you're, you're up early, you're up late and you're, you're working all the time, but the gratification, when you see that you're making a difference in people's lives, there's nothing, there's nothing better. That's great. And you mentioned 
Black Business Global, and I focused on the kids because I like kids, and they are the future. Um, but you've, of course, you've got adult businesses on on the platform. Wondering what the experience is so far. Are you finding that this is a directory that people actively want to be a part of, and are there consumers or other businesses that are actively, you know, searching that directory in order to to uh, find things they need? Yeah. So, so one of the great things about the directory and it's new, I mean, we just launched it last month. Um, but what we're, we're happy to do is that we're able to provide simple and easy access to be found for black owned businesses to be found by consumers. Um, we're able to provide simple consumers, simple and easy access to locate diverse businesses in their community to support. Um, we also target, um, vendors, um, who are in the black, business community who want to sell to other businesses and to government agencies. So we are a source for, um, to diversify the supply chain. You know, one of the amazing things that have happened since we launched only one month ago, the city of Vancouver has already approved this um, platform as a source for um, uh, getting diverse vendors um, for contracts that they have in, in meeting their uh, diverse owned supply contracts contracts so that's already happened and it's really really great to see that people are using this this platform and this directory for what we what we what we wanted it to be used for you know to help businesses be found and to help consumers find businesses that they're at products and service that they're looking for as well as to drive you know commerce as from both the the b2c um, and B2B aspect, as well as the, the, the government from B2G as well, which, which, which is what we saw with the city of Vancouver. I mean, I'm aware of, I guess, the federal government and provinces, which are um, a lot of whom are setting up set-asides, money to make sure that they're buying from diverse suppliers in order mm -hmm. to, 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 to bring that along. Not sure how many cities are doing it, but the, was that a surprise then with the city of Vancouver to see them be so quick off the mark? It was. It was a really welcomed and fantastic surprise. We were really happy to see that. And we hope that that's going to inspire um, more municipalities, uh, provinces, and the government um, to do the same. We, we, work, we have a close working relationship actually with um, Procurement Assistance Canada. Um, to provide, you know, readiness training for our businesses so that they can uh, compete um, uh, better within the contract uh, bidding process. So uh, we just want to see more of that happening. And uh, we've also, uh, we're launching a trade show on June 15th, which I, I want to kind of plug here too, because this is going to be an amazing event. We're bringing together vendors and purchasers all in one virtual uh, platform so that we can um, boost the awareness of the businesses that have products to offer. We can bring in purchasers from various communities as well as the government to come and find and source vendors for whatever product or service they're looking for. And then we're going to have um, um, panels as well, uh, panels with uh, the government talking about their initiatives in terms of diversifying the supply chain, as well as financial institutions who can talk about, you know, how they can support the B2B transactions and, um, you know, payment gateways and how we can better uh, make those kinds of transactions seamless and easy for, for businesses to do business with one another. One of the things that, that you did that I was sort of intrigued by the Black Business Association, you set up um, some pop-up shops in downtown mm -hmm. Vancouver last summer. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? One of the things I mentioned earlier on in this conversation was the reason we, we focus on um, 
operational pieces to help to build business is because we want to ensure that people get tangible, measurable results. And we want to build market access. And that was one of the strategies that we used and we tested. So um, the pop-up marketplace, we had at Bentall Center, downtown Vancouver, and we rotated um, businesses through that space every two weeks. And the businesses were able to come in, um, showcase their product and sell their product right from that location. And it ran for nine weeks. We had five businesses, I think it was, that rotated through that, um, that pop-up marketplace, and which is a really great initiative. But what we learned from that is that we can do so much more with a space. So um, later this year, we're going to be opening up um, a longer-term pop-up marketplace, but it's not going to be just one business at a time. We are going to have whatever, whoever, whatever Black-owned businesses want to um, showcase their product in our uh, physical store and marketplace, we're going to have those, um, we're going to allow that. So you'll be able to come into one location um, and buy products from multiple Black-owned businesses across the gamut. So whether it's soap, beauty, um, apparel, uh, what, what have you, we're going to be able to offer um, one location where anyone can walk in and um, you know, purchase uh, products from various vendors. So it's really, really fantastic. So it's an upgrade to our initial pop-up marketplace. Is that going to be in another office complex or is it going to be a storefront? What's it going to look it's, like? It's going to be a storefront. What, what kind of team do you have around you? Because I introduced you as the founder, but you keep saying we, so I presume you've had some help. Yes, because you know, no one can do this, this amount of work right. on their own. So we've got um, a great um, board of directors. We've got a great team. Um, uh, Clavia Allen is our vice president. He, uh, you know, concentrates a lot on um, our digital strategy, our sustainability initiatives, and our climate um, action initiatives. We've got um, Natasia McWavy. She's our program manager, and she drives all the different programs and initiatives that we have happening in the organization. Angela Howell, she is our admin coordinator, and right now she is working on opening up our business center. And our business center is located in Surrey. It's at uh, Unit 202. 7327 137th Street. And the reason I'm giving you that address is because we're about to open in two weeks. So it's, oh, I can give you that address. And that is going to be a space where businesses um, who need access to uh, equipment, um, maybe they need access to computers um, or uh, software, business software that they may not necessarily have um, access to on their own. They're going to be able to access that type of um, equipment um, through hoteling stations. We have meeting rooms in there if um, people need to uh, use the meeting space. And we also have curated a, an, an audition, not an audition, but sorry, a, um, an interview space. So if you um, have interviews, you want to showcase your business, you want to do any filming, um, we have a space that you can uh, rent to uh, do that type of work. And we also have that space to, for product photography. So if you have a business and you want to take photos of your product, um, professional photos, we've got um, space for you to do that as well. So it's a multi, multifunctional office space with a lot of uh, different um, activities happening in there. And that's and in Surrey. So it's very cool that you're, you know, making an attempt to reach beyond the downtown to, to serve entrepreneurs where they live. Exactly. So, um, and that's exactly it. We look to see where, you know, where we have entrepreneurs uh, in the black community, um, where, you know, where the black community resides. Um, and, and that's where we kind of decided on where we want to house that space so that, you know, it's easy to find us. It's easy to get there. 
there's transportation, uh, tra- like um, easy bus routes, um, close to SkyTrain, uh, easily accessible for cars, lots of parking. All of those things go into, you know, when you decide where you want to have a space. I love where the SkyTrain crosses the Fraser River there. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I rode, that out, I rode that out there once just for the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. If you could wave a magic wand, Narissa, and mm-hmm. have something change for black entrepreneurs in BC or, you know, nationally, if, if, if you like, because it's magic, um, what would you wish for? I would wish that we get to a point where we don't have to have separate programs in order to meet the needs and uh, break the barriers of systemic racism that are that's plaguing uh, policies and institutions and, and that kind of thing. Because when we get to that point, it means we're all on a level playing field and we can all just be businesses doing our best to uh, make things happen for ourselves. Wow. You brought up systemic racism. I think we've all learned more about systemic racism in the last couple of years than, than we ever wanted to know. Um, certainly people like me who grew up thinking that now we've, we're erasing these barriers. We're reaching this happy, diverse society, the community of communities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk about, you know, your experience with systemic racism and and what that means to you? Um, so what I think an important point to, to talk about here is we, there's a lot of work being done around diversity and equity and inclusion. And, you know, whether you're training employees and so forth, those are all really great steps. I think fundamentally, we have to look a little bit, we have to go backwards and we have to look at the policies that people are working with. So we can train our employees, you know, to be diverse and equitable and and inclusive. Um, But what policies are they working off of? If they still have to go back to a policy that was written 30, 40, 50 years ago that is um, rooted in systemic racism, then we're not really going to, you know, address the root cause of the problem. So I think that is the piece where it's important for um, organizations um, that have that history and, and old policies to not only review the policies, but to ensure that you have representation at the table when you're doing those reviews so that you're creating um, equitable policies going forward. And I think that work is being done. So you'll see financial institutions um, you know, and, and government uh, working with uh, organizations such as ours uh, to, to see, to look at where they are, wh- what their pro- policies are currently saying, and how can they now update these policies to meet the needs of a diverse community and not just the black community, you know, but the, the Asian community, the Indo-Canadian Canadian, uh, community, all of these communities have to be included in proper policy frameworks in order for us to see long lasting and um, permanent change going forward. And can you give me an example of like one of these policies that might be 30 or 40 years old, might be based on outdated assumptions or assumptions presumably that in many cases weren't intended to be racist, but were founded on the social inequities of the day and uh, many of which continue to this day. You know, if you look back at uh, the wealth, the, the wealth gap in the country, um, there was a, a study uh, released put out by Statistics Canada and it, and I can't remember the name of it right now off the top of my head, um, but it spoke to 
the uh, discriminatory immigration policies that were in place in the uh, in the 1950s and 60s that prevented the immigration of Black people. So after those policies, for example, were amended and 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 you know addressed, then you start to see the migration of, of Black people from the Caribbean um, in the 60s and 70s, and then you start to see um, migration from uh, Black people and of African descent, Africans um, from the African countries. So in the grand scheme of time, we haven't had the opportunity of time to build wealth. And you'll know that many entrepreneurs actually use home ownership and, um, you know, access to, you know, funds from friends and family in order to get that first step into, um, into starting their business. Right. So I mean, that, we, that, that, that's, that's considered yeah. the easy first step that's, that you have exactly. friends and neighbors and relatives that's right. who have so you, assets to spare. That's right. So if you, if we have limited time in to build that wealth because of those discriminatory policies that were in place in the sixties, we don't have the friends and family who have accumulated that wealth to ask for those kinds of things, which is why you would have seen many entrepreneurs bootstrapping it and doing like their side businesses because they don't have access to um, that, that buildup of wealth creation that has happened in other communities. And that's just an example of, you know, how policy can create um, issues over the longer period. And you'll see it um, 40 years later, how that impacts, you know, how, how entrepreneurs are able to navigate uh, starting a business in, you know, in 1990 or 2020 or 2010. You know what I mean? That's really interesting because you would say on the one hand that, that, that these, these are just practices. They're not even laws or policies. Uh, practices like uh, friends accessing friends or family money. Mm-hmm. On the surface, it didn't look racist, probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> because exactly. it, it applies to everyone. But then we, mm-hmm. but then when when we realize that, well, the demographics tell us <laughs> that 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 the functional aspect of of it is that it does uh, prevent, it does discourage mobility. It it, it it means that the the haves get more and the have-nots um, get less. So it's, it's really interesting. Struggle. To, yeah, it's interesting to see how that has to change. Any ideas on whether there's a solution for that particular problem? I think we just have to work on it. We have to keep building. So now that we, you know, now that we're seeing all of this data coming out, that we have to look at these root causes, understand how that has affected and how that how that is affecting entrepreneurship today, which is, you know, like what I just spoke about, the access to capital. And then we see programs such as um, FACE with the Black Entrepreneurship Program, with lending programs, uh, Futurepreneur with lending programs, CIBC with lending programs. So we have to see these programs now that come into place to try to fill the gap of that, um, of access to capital. And then we have to look at, you know, what other policies are in place, such as what was in place back then, that are in place now that we have to uh, address so that we don't have situations like this popping up 40 years from now, which, which look from the surface like, oh no, everyone has the same opportunity. But when you look deeper, it, that's not the case because of you know, something that, a policy that was in place 30 years ago. Wow, fantastic. 
This is what gets you up in the morning? It is. It is. And I'm <laughs> because like I, it. <laughs> I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about um, the community. I'm passionate about making sure that everyone has an, a fair opportunity and that everyone is able to get up and do what they love most. Entrepreneurs are people that love their product or their service and they want to bring it to you and they want to bring it to you to, in the best possible light. They want to, they want to give you outstanding products. They want to give you outstanding service. Now, um, if there are barriers in place that hinder them or cause challenges, that's what we're here to solve. We're here to help them get past those barriers and challenges so that everyone can provide a little bit of business and culture um, to all Canadians. And, you know, I always say business and culture in the Black community often intersect. When we bring you a restaurant, we're bringing you our culture through food. When we bring you music and artists and authors, we're bringing you culture through our, we're bringing you yeah, culture through our business. And it's, it's all intertwined. And we just want to help to be a part of an inclusive society and an inclusive community. And I've got to ask you, Narissa, you, you've got a business. Is it going entirely neglected as you, as, as you, as you build the <laughs> Black Business Association? Or are you still finding time for it? I'm finding some time. But, you know, I have uh, great staff and employees to help to keep my business going as I help to keep everyone else's business going. Right. And is there, is there synergy here? Have you learned things in building this totally different association that you, have you learned things that you can bring back into your business and say, here, this is how we can get more engagement. This is how we can uh, connect with more people online, that sort of thing? Absolutely. When we started this, um, you know, we were just trying to figure out what's going to be a value to people. But as an entrepreneur, it's a value to us as well. So whether it's brand awareness, whether it's marketing tips, financial literacy, all of these things have been valuable for us and for me as an entrepreneur. And we take all that we, we learn as well. So we take the pieces that we learn and we apply it to our business because we're entrepreneurs and that's what you need to do. And so we've got a, um, a program that we started last week with Climate Smart Business uh, Inc. And, um, and we're, we're working through it with our organization because as an entrepreneur, we and with our business, we, knew, we know the importance of you know, understanding the UN sustainability goals, um, trying to align yourself with um, as a small business in doing our part to uh, play a part in a positive climate action. And I wanted to roll that out uh, through the association. So what we did is we partnered with a climate smart to get climate smart certification for a cohort of 10 black owned businesses um, plus the BBABC. And we're working as a collective to measure our greenhouse gas emissions, you know, reduce, uh, create reduction strategies and to implement offsets to work towards being carbon neutral. And what I hope is that we inspire the small business community as a whole to see that we can do our part um, in whatever way we can to positively affect climate change. Wow, that's, a, that's so impressive. I've, I've always been a fan of entrepreneurs, not just because they build great businesses, but because they have this ability to see needs in society to, to, and to articulate you know, strategies to do something about it. And that's clearly what, what what you're doing here, when you have really great community-minded entrepreneurs, the whole community benefits. And uh, again, congratulations on on doing this for <laughs> a fairly big urban area, <laughs> such as the greater yeah. Vancouver area, and uh, hopefully for your members uh, living beyond that as well. 
We've been talking to Nerissa Allen. She's the founder of the Black Business Association of British Columbia and an, an, an entrepreneur. Um, so check all that stuff out. Nerissa, do you have uh, any moments you're looking forward to in the future? Some, 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 we've talked about some of the projects you have, but uh, is there sort of one big thing that you're looking forward to? Well, I think, you know, we're, the organization is going I, we have we have such tremendous momentum right now and we're able to implement and execute programs that are absolutely fantastic in terms of providing tangible measurable results for entrepreneurs and i want to see that continue so i you know i hope that uh, entrepreneurs hearing this We'll come and check out our programs and services because we have so much that we can provide and offer and we can tailor it to, um, you know, to each business. Every business needs something different. And we take a look at where you are as a business. We then create a strategy and a plan for um, increased market access and to getting, to where, getting you to where you need. So if you need support in getting and applying for a loan, we can help you with that. Um, if you just need help with market access or if you need digital um, adoption strategy uh, support, we can help with that. So I think looking forward, I'm just excited to see all of the other programs that we're able to roll out to help businesses. I'm excited for all the businesses that we're going to help in the future. And I'm super excited for our uh, pop-up shop location to be announced later <laughs> in downtown Vancouver, where everyone can be able to participate in Black-owned products and services. Fascinating. I'm following you on Twitter now, so I'm looking forward to the big reveal. So people can contact you at info at blackbusinessbc.ca. That's a mouthful, yes. so I'm going to say it again. Info at blackbusinessbc.ca. And uh, um, Instagram is at blackbusinessvancouver. Yes. All right. Nerissa, thank you so much. Uh, it's great hearing about the exciting things that you're doing for the whole community. And we're going to stay in touch and follow you as you go from win to win. Thank you very much for having me, Rick. I really appreciated the time um, that you took out of your day to, to chat with me. And I, I'm really excited for where we go as an organization in the future. I'm excited too. So we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.